Welcome to the Fibery Goodness Tiny Studio Magazine podcast, Tiny Talks, with your hosts Arlene Thayer, yoga teacher, spinner, knitter extraordinaire, and all-round wise person, and myself, Susie Brown, aka Woolwench, passionate fibre artist and owner-publisher of indie magazine, Tiny Studio Creative Life. Join us as we chat about all the behind the scenes at the magazine, creative projects we're working on, life and fibre hacks, and just like in our magazine content, ways to boost your creativity and maximise your moments of fibre art inspiration. Hi everybody, welcome to a new podcast with me Susie and Arlene Thayer, the amazing spin artist. Uh, Today we are talking about giving gifts, handmade gifts, coming up to Christmas, well not that close to Christmas, but if you're a maker it is. Uh, We're going to be talking about, you know, who to give things to, how to select the right person for the right item, what to make, uh, and maybe even look at a little bit of history as well because, you know, I'm a nerd. So, Arlene, you do a lot of making for your gifts, so I think you need to kick us off. Sure. And, oh, you forgot that you said I was the amazing spin artiste, but you're the amazing wool wench. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and the editor-in-chief and publisher of Tiny Studio Magazine. We are right now coming from the Tiny Studio Creative Life desk, which is very <laughs> cluttered, I have to say. As it should be. All right. So yes, we are we are definitely hitting that time of the year when people that like to make gifts to give are starting to think towards, uh-oh, what can I get done in the next few months? Yeah. Um, so I wanted to share, I'll just lay it out, what we're going to talk about in this podcast. We're going to talk about some lessons learned, um, some fun ideas, And then we're going to talk about considering you're a recipient and some more tips around that. So before we started recording, actually, Susie was talking about an idea that I think is a great place to start. And that is uh, going back in time to when people didn't have the leisure time like we do today and uh, things were largely handmade. Yeah, I mean, pre-industrial revolution, everything was made by hand. Spinning was done by hand, uh, knitting, weaving, right from the sheep. It was was all prepared by hand, time-consuming. Families would be involved in the whole process as well. And so clothing, and particularly clothing, anything handmade with fibre, really, um, was so much more highly valued than it is today because... Everyone had first-hand experience of the process that goes into making something by hand. It really is a labour of love. And, um, you know, clothing at that time was made for a person. It was repaired multiple times. Sometimes it was taken apart and rebuilt in a later style. Um, Dresses, even, you know, the most expensive dresses would be taken apart and retailed to fit new trends. So things just had a longer life and had a much higher value than now and we can just go down and buy something mass produced for you know two or three dollars and um, wear it a few times and throw it away it's I think a lot of people now are starting to come back to this slow fashion idea and this pre-industrial revolution making things by hand and the value in that so I guess that's part of you know when you're looking at who to gift something to um, knowing that they have some kind of 
appreciation for what goes into what you've made. Yes, so you've walked right into the lessons learned category. <laughs> All yes. right, I want to tell a horror story. It's almost October, Halloween's right around the corner. Let me tell you a scary fiber story. <laughs> I'm shaking. So I like to knit on occasion, well, more than on occasion, Stephen West shawls, which are gorgeous and beautiful and have beautiful. many fun techniques. And so I want to say this was probably about eight years ago. I think the pattern might have been Exploration Station, but I'm not 100% sure right now. I had just knitted it, just finished it, just blocked it. It was gorgeous. I was going to see a friend of mine that had not been feeling well. She had not been well. And um, I have my brand new shawl with me. And she was so appreciative of the visit. And it was so good to see her. And I felt bad that she had been sick that I took my shawl off my back and I gave it to her. Aww. I didn't even, I wasn't even warm enough walking back to my car. And she was just thrilled, thrilled to get this beautiful shawl. So some time passed, I want to say a year or two, and this was in text messages of all things. She was saying how she wasn't feeling well again. And, you know, the thing is, when you knit anything or when you weave, anything you do with your hands that you spend a lot of time with, you know, every little stitch has your energy in it, right? It's yeah. got your light, it's your life in there. And I mentioned something like, you know, I felt bad for her again. And I mentioned something like, oh, why don't you get that shawl that I gave you and wrap up and, you know, it'll be cozy and comfy. And she goes, I can't, I gave it away. Oh, horrors. <laughs> and that was, yes, that was the first part of the, the frightfulness. <laughs> the second part was when she so casually said, why not, could you just knit me another one? Just knit you another one. Oh, dear. No. She doesn't knit, In right? fact, you're never getting another handmade thing by me again. <laughs> so that was oh. a really big lesson for me that I yeah. really, you know, you really have to make sure that the person is, if, if, if you're going to be attached to what they do with it, you've got to make yeah. sure you're giving the thing to the right person. Another <laughs> lesson, not so close to home, but I used to love to go to yard sales, garage sales, antique stores, auctions, flea markets, you name it. We loved it. We went all the time. We only stopped because we ended up, we had too much stuff in the house and I felt like I it was time to, all right, time to back off. things at those. How, and I could not stop rescuing anything that somebody had made, like that was a textile. If I could tell it was handmade, I couldn't leave it. So what really started to get to me was how many times I saw ba baby blankets. And <clears throat> it, it just really drove the point home that, you know, if you're knitting a baby blanket for somebody or cro even crochet or weaving or what have you, where is that baby blanket going to end up, you know? And, and do you I could, mind if it does? That's, all right, that's and do thing. you mind if it does? Yeah. Yeah. You mind, now, my husband is a maker. He may, he's a knife maker, blacksmith. He has a little different feeling. He's not so attached to it, but I think part of it is he doesn't usually spend the number of hours that I spend yeah. on something. So nonetheless, what I've learned is if it's something really 
significant pair of socks, a shawl, maybe a blanket. Um, I'm probably going to give that to another knitter or, or, yeah. or another yeah. fiber person. Cause that's, that's the thing with that shawl story is the person you gave it to, um, gave it away and then asked you to make another one clearly they didn't know that it takes a lot of time and effort and thought and patience and care to create something like that or she probably wouldn't have done it it would have been a much bigger thing in her mind that she had this handmade shawl let me tell you it was off with her head (laughs) in my mind (laughs) yeah so those lessons have led me to take a different approach. Um, safer choices, smaller items. In fact, I sort of I like housewares, dishcloths, mm-hmm. tea towels, um, maybe uh, a small bag, uh, a stitched bag, things that are just it's it's they don't cost as much time or money to make, and I'm not as attached. So. <clears throat> And and yet, I have some of your little cotton cloths that you knitted up and sent over for Christmas. And every time I use them, which is frequently, I think of you when I use them. And, you know, that you made it. And I know where you were sitting when you made it. And, you know, things like that. It's kind of, it gives you a connection with the person that, that yeah. made the thing. Even yeah. if you don't know what goes into it, there's still that connection. This person made it and they were thinking of me when they made it and that's really special. Apart from the fact that it's a, a great thing to use and um, I'm not the only one that thinks so. The rest of the family are enjoying them as well. Uh, so, you know, even those little things that you think is just, well, it's a small thing and I can make it fairly quickly and it's a useful item. I mean, that carries that same kind of concept, I think. And, and makes it and a lot more special than something commercially made. Clothing is more challenging. There's fitting issues. People are more uh, personal about the colors they want to wear. It's more challenging. Yeah. It's more yeah. challenging. If I knit somebody a set of six coordinated dishcloths, um, they'll get used. It's not, you know, from their perspective. It doesn't maybe even have to match their ch- kitchen. They're just happy to have some like nice fun little cloths so I have you know sort of come away from the days where I was more apt to say sure I'll knit you a pair of socks yeah yeah well um you know having said this I am the the very lucky and appreciative recipient of a blanket that you knitted for my bed I love you you got the blanket it is huge it is magnificent and at the moment, it is out of puppy reach because I will not have it damaged in yeah. any way. So um, it's it's folded up very carefully and put in a in a cupboard until I can reuse it without so that's, puppy damaging. So that's that's a situation where I knew you would never knit yourself a blanket. No, no. So it was I, totally I worth it to knit you a blanket. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah. And I absolutely appreciate the time and effort that went into that. Oh, and there's some of your dyed yarns in there too. Oh, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff in there. It's great. It's like a whole story in itself, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another, I think, another safe route to go is if you love the process of making something so much, you just, and you have, you're going to make them, and you have them mm. piling up and, it doesn't matter what the outcome is. You just love the process. Yeah. That, that's, well, that's a like safe If, if you love to, to make shawls, there's only so many shawls you need. What do you do with them? 
<gasps> There's so, much, so many already. shawls you can store. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't stop one, though. And then the final lesson learned is about scheduling. How much time mm. do you really have? You know, if you're looking at, geez, I'd really love to make beautiful Christmas stockings for everybody in my family, and you're not planning on starting until Thanksgiving, you have just overloaded yourself in a big way. <laughs> you know, yeah. so either plan it out or do less or let yourself you off be the realistic. hook. Yeah, yeah, you really do. Yeah. Well, especially because gift giving and the times that you do give gifts, it's supposed to be fun. And, you know, if you're stressing about getting stuff finished at the last minute, it actually becomes more of a chore than it should be. It's a yes. stressful chore getting everything done at the last minute. And, you know, that takes a lot of that enjoyment and the pleasure out of it rather than just sitting quietly and, you know, collecting up a little pile of Christmas stockings, for example, over the year. Um, yeah, that last minute rush is actually not not as fun as it should be. So gift giving, there's two sides of gift giving, really. There's the recipient who gets the pleasure out of the gift, but there's also the pleasure you have in making it. And um, you're kind of robbing yourself of that if you don't make enough time available to do it. Exactly. I, I yeah. can never get myself started any earlier than August. I still that's, think that's pretty good. August is pretty good. <laughs> every year. I'm going to knit one gift every month and then no. Yeah. No. Um, so let's talk about some of some fun ideas um, that we've encountered over the, the past. Um, one uh, idea I wanted to discuss is a little tradition my husband and I have had, I think, since almost the beginning of our relationship, which was... Uh, we call it the dollar Christmas gift, and we each we make one for each other, and it can cost no more than a dollar. So generally speaking, in the beginning, it was flea market finds and things like that because we used to do yeah. so much of that. But then as we shifted out of that, then it meant that you were pretty much going to have to make something. Um, so we, we've maintained that, and um, that... I find that a lot of fun because that does challenge me. I uh, have to go into my stash, use what I have. Um, he usually ends up making like two or three things because mm. he's not satisfied with, you know, <laughs> he makes something, he feels like it's not good enough, and then yeah. he makes something else. But it's just a sweet tradition, and actually the rest of the family is kind of in on it. And, you know, it's not that they do it. They just like to see what we are going to come up with. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I can imagine it's quite eclectic. Oh, well, I'm sad to say that some years it's just another pair of socks for him. And um, mm. if I really, if I'm out of ideas and I'm out of time, what I do is, this is like one of my little secrets, um, I take like yarn scraps and in colors that I know he will like. And I actually just knit sort of scrappy socks for him. But mm. because he works outside so much, I hold two strands of sock yarn together. And I use like a size four double point, And I oh, knit yeah. this double thickness sock for him. Nice and chunky. Yeah. They're chunky. And I can knit in, in just maybe a weekend or a couple, maybe four days. About four days, mm. I can knit the whole the whole smash oh, see, that's that's yeah. a good tip you know if you're running out of time 
think of alternative ways to making something that will speed it up. Yes, exactly. Always good. Right, right. And, you know, they work for him. They work really well and um, they're very warm on his feet. And I, you know, I have enough scraps around that Mm. I just kind of like throw a couple things together and it's it's fun. Another thing that can be quite cool to make and also, you know, if you're using up scraps, is like just going to a thrift store and finding a, you know, a reasonable shirt and up marketing it, you know, adding a crocheted collar and cuffs around it or stitching something on it. Um, so, you know, there's still quite a good handmade aspect to it. And especially if you're using like hand spun yarn and that kind of thing on it, it makes it a bit special and, um, and unique. And you're kind of being really eco-friendly as well by recycling clothing and mm-hmm. adding a personal touch to it. That's quite a cool thing for gifting as well, especially to someone who's really conscious about, you know, use, reusing clothing particularly because it's such a big problem environmentally to, to be throwing so much away. On that note, so good gifts. I just saw a really good idea actually this weekend. Um, I was taking a class on how to embroider on knitting because that's something mm-hmm. I've been wanting to do more of. And the teacher showed that what she does is she gets um, she gets thrifted wool sweaters that she felts, and then she cuts the sleeve, where um, you know the ribbing part and then part of the arm part, and she cuts it for a mitt. Oh. And then she embroiders the back of the mitt. Cute. So you've got your fingerless gloves in. No time flat, yeah. and then you can, you know, spend the time doing the embellishment, which I thought was a fantastic idea. That would be really cool, because you can get all sorts of patterned knits as well that would right. look really cool felted. And I've also cut those felted sweaters up and made purses and bags out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they lend themselves well to that, so that's yep. another route to go if you're looking for something inexpensive and you don't have time to do all the heavy lifting. Um, And then we talked about housewares a few minutes ago. Um, Housewares are great. Pillows. Super useful things. Tea towels. Dishcloths, washcloths, spa sets. There's a website um, called Yarn Yarn Inspirations that they are the makers now of, I think, peaches and cream cotton. And then there's a couple of other... There's a couple of other lines. They have thousands of free patterns, and Ooh, lots of them are good. housewares. Crochet, yeah. knitting, um, they're all downloadable. They're all mm. free. I mean, there's just sure, pages and pages. I remember growing up with that kind of thing. We had one of my great aunts was um, a knitter, but she also did stitching. So we had um, tea cozies for the teapots yes. that she'd made, and she had some that were knitted, also, some that were, were fabric, padded fabric with her stitched embroidery on it. And they were all Auntie Annie things, and they were quite treasured, actually, because she'd made them. And uh, she obviously loved doing it and gifting the things, because we had quite a lot of stuff that Auntie Annie had made. I have seen some tea cozy patterns, actually, on that website. Of course, Ravelry's another place where you can yep. pick up patterns for stuff like that. Um, Even little so, cup cozies are really quick yes. to make as well yep. and can be really fun. You could probably also do that with your recycled felt sweater sleeves, yes. for sure. Yeah. So just little, little things like that. I think that you can get a nice feeling of accomplishment rather quickly. 
mm. um, especially when you're and trying even, to bang even out things like gifts. stitched stitched felted items. You could also hand spin your threads as well. That makes them a bit special, and it doesn't take mm-hmm. a lot of time to hand spin thread for embroidery because you really don't need a lot of it. You could take just a few grams and um, have quite a bit spun in a short space of time, and so that really makes it special as well. Just having yeah, the I love aspect. that those embroidery mm. projects you've been doing with your hand spun oh, so much fun I, I it, really love spinning like that it's very sort of meditative <laughs> and um you know you've got to be quite controlled with it as well and uh, and then being able to create the threads that I want to embroider with and the colors that I want for the design and so on you can really customize it and I think that's one of the coolest things about making gifts for people is that you can customize it to what you know they're going to like which is just so much better than going out and shopping. The last idea I wanted to talk about in terms of the sort of fun ideas is if you're just learning a craft, um, it is nice to use, you have to know it enough, not like your first attempt, say, but if you know a craft to a little bit and you want to get better at it, um, that's a good place is gifting. Yep. You know, you're you're sort of in that, it's sort of getting back to what I was saying about you just love the process, but maybe it's not even that you just love the process, you're just sort of getting into the hang of the process. And as you say, you can only have so many hats, or you can only have so many fingerless mitts, but, you know, it's a good place to um, expand your horizon by looking at as gifting opportunities. Yeah. You do need to be a little bit careful, though, I think, with... Um not cluttering up other people's spaces as well oh, with yes. the things you're making because I know I've I've done this myself, especially I think when I was when I was doing pottery actually years ago, I was throwing stuff on the wheel. And when you're throwing stuff on a on a pottery wheel, you can make a lot of stuff really quickly. And then what do you do with it all? You give it away. So my parents had a whole bunch of slightly wonky pottery things that I was making at the time. And, um, you know, of course they appreciated that I'd given it to them. But in the end, I'm like, you know, you really need to throw that out now because I think it's not very good. Yeah. Um, So being aware of other people's spaces too is probably quite important. That leads into my last subject heading, which was consider the recipient. So one is just that, you know, if you've got somebody that you want to gift handmade items to and they live in a small space uh you you know you might want to think about for example my um stepdaughter just bought a condo and i'd love to make some sort of holiday themed things for her she's got a new place and i'm like but where's she going to keep all this stuff um or as you you noted that you were in this situation where you're producing a lot of pottery and you're giving it and giving it to your parents well how much pottery do they need Exactly. So you have to think about that, not junking up somebody else's I think my mum was kind, and at some point a lot of my of pottery course. turned up as um, pot plants out in the garden, pot holders. Pot sure. Holders. Yeah. And along that line, I don't like to give people things that I consider high maintenance to take care of. Yeah. I don't like to give people things that they have to hand wash. Uh, I like to wash them, make sure they're color fast. And then when I give it to them, I can say, you don't have to worry about you know, it's not fragile. You can treat it as you would something yeah. normal. Um, yeah, especially if they're not fiber people themselves and don't right. know about the properties of wool and so on. Yeah, you need to protect them a little bit from, you know, the dreaded I put it in the washing machine and it shrunk thing. Correct. 
Because mm, then they um, feel really bad about it too, of course. So, And then on that note, you know, packaging, of course, is everything. So elevate your handmade item. Uh, invest in some nice tags. Uh, make some nice labels. Um, there's a lot of places on Etsy where you can purchase um, all kinds of different little tags and labels that you can sew onto things. Mm-hmm. Um, and also... You know, you can make nice little um, package labels like on when I make a towel, for example, I put my tag on it, but I also have a printed label that I put around the towel and I put on there the um, washing instructions, even though, Mm -hmm. as I just said, I tell them you can throw it in the washer, but I also put 100% cotton, it's pre-shrunk, you know, those kinds of things, so... It just makes for and, a and much nicer presentation. And you tied it all up with a beautiful um, gauzy ribbon as well in the yeah, presentation. Yeah, it counts. Whereas if you if you th- if you've made something and you throw it in a brown paper bag and just sort of hand it over, it doesn't quite have that same feeling of an event or you know something right. that, that you've done that you valued. It's so that presentation of an item does make an impression as well. I think really also does. you know. I was listening to a podcast yesterday about someone who is a textile collector and he was talking about uh, when you see a painting, um, it's signed. Mm -hmm. And yet we as textile people, a lot of times don't sign our work. So your tag is signing your work. We undervalue ourselves with that. Yeah, we think, oh, well, it's a craft. It's not an art. So... You know, is it pretentious to sign it? But, you know, in, in 50 years' time, it's still going to have your name on it. And people are going to say, oh, that was great Auntie Annie's work there or, yes. you know, whatever. And it, and it gives it a much more interesting story as well. And I think the stories are, are what we value as, as well as the items. It, it does. And um, it communicates to yourself. I mean, you, you call it a craft, but let's face facts. You had to select the medium. You had to select the colors you had to make design choices, even if you, did, you know, sort of just took a pattern and did it. You still had to pick out the colors, and you still had to execute. And there's still artistry involved in that. So and the years I think of learning the skill to do it, and the too. years of learning the skill, yeah. absolutely. So yeah. can you know consider elevating it for yourself? I think it's really important. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it goes back to that thing of you know gifting has two sides as well as the person you're gifting it to, you're also gifting yourself the opportunity to make someone happy and to create something of yourself as well that tells your story. Yep, there's a lot more to it than just the item, isn't there? The item is the least of it, Yeah, <laughs> I would say. Yep. And, of course, yeah. another great <laughs> gift for a fiber person is a subscription to Tiny Studio Creative Life magazine. <laughs> now that we're in print as well, it's kind of a... You could actually wrap it up, literally, right. and hand it over. And, uh, yeah, yeah, our, our magazines are um, we're getting such wonderful feedback from people about how much they're enjoying the content, the articles, the feel of it, the size of it. So, um, and, and it's really lovely, too, to still have all our digital subscribers as well really enjoying it because I have to say the digital version, when I look at it on, on my iPad, it just it looks the you know the colors and the photos just kind of spring off the screen it's just beautiful so yep 
and um, perhaps we can find someone to write about gifting in our <laughs> November well, issue as well. you know, hint, hint, years Arlene. and years ago, when Susie and I first started Fibery Goodness, back in the year, the time when we had more time, um, we, <laughs> we used to do, yeah, I, I loved it, and I can't, I, I know you will never do it again, but we used to do like a gift for the... Um, anybody that followed Fiber Goodness. We did a little holiday, little magazine, and it was different little crafty things that you could do. Yeah. And um, I guess we probably did that like three or four years. But we usually had like, I don't know, four or five projects in there. Yeah, we did. They were kind of fun. And I, I, well, I will just tell everybody in podcast land, because yeah. maybe you can exert some pressure. I've asked Susie to please collect those, put them all together and re-release them. I know. I really need to get to doing that. Yes, good idea. <laughs> I know we can't where everything come up is. with new ideas. Can we just at least? Because a lot of people who are newer to the website and the magazine didn't get the benefit yeah. of those fun little yeah. projects. Well, we had we had one with a candy. How to spin the candy cane yarn, right. which is. Um, it's a special way I have of doing it as a chain ply rather than as a two ply because it spaces out the red, so it's not so much. Red. It, it looks great, and we had that. And then you did a, a weaving, a candy cane weaving. No, it was it you was a braid. Kumihimo. Right, it was a braided yeah. candy cane, That's and right. I put wire in it so that it would bend. So cool! Oh, that was so cool. And we had one that um, Jan did. Jan Massey. She Jan did one, one as well. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and, and didn't uh, you do your um, the wreath that you made? Yep, yeah, the Christmas wreath. That I with have the lights, the fairy lights, and the hand spun yarns and the sparkles. I begged and I pleaded and kicked and screamed <laughs> until she sent it over to me. Back when postage was reasonable. When postage was possible. It's even tricky these days sending things internationally. It's um a little bit unpredictable. But, tell yeah, me that. I mean, we, sh- we should put those together because they were some they were some great Christmas ideas actually. It's vintage. It's retro. Yeah, so your Christmas yeah. present is done, by the way. Ooh, I finished it in August. So yeah, you were the August project because <laughs> yours has to be mailed soon. Yeah, first. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then um, the uh, the dollar Christmas present for my husband, I'm having a really tough time. Um, I'm knitting something I've never knit before. And I decided, luckily, I decided to do a test version. So here's another, mm-hmm. you know, lesson learned. Do test versions of things. Leave yourself time for that. And I finished the test version, and it has many problems. Oh, <laughs> this is why you did it then. Well, it's, I followed the pattern, but um, I'm going to have to re-knit it in a, with a smaller needle size because it's too big. Um, I want to reshape part of it completely. Uh, I don't care for the way it's shaped. Um, so I've got to go back. I can't say in case he listens. Uh, oh, true. Right? Damn, I don't think he'll listen, listen, but I can't take that. I can't take that chance. <laughs> so oh, I'm a little frustrated. It'll have to be a surprise for our podcast um, it will. after Christmas. It will. So yeah. anyway, um, yeah, the test didn't work out too well, so back to the drawing board on that right and you know that's actually probably really um really a good tip if you're making something that you haven't made before 
um, give yourself enough time to do a test and make sure it's going to work because you don't want to end up finishing it on Christmas Eve and discovering it's not the right shape or Correct. it's not going to fit because there is right. no time then to, uh, to fix right. that up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of this because it's exactly the kind of thing I would do. It's like, no, no, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. <laughs> and then it isn't suddenly... No, no, that's not the kind of higher wire act you take without a net. You've got to have a backup plan there. Yeah, whereas if it's something you've done before, tried and tested, then, you know, you can take a few more risks with time. But, you know, otherwise it's last-minute baking in place of handmade gift. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) That's when you whip out your Ted Lasso shortbread cookie recipe and and go for it. Try and make them look fancy. (laughs) Okay, I'll confess, I bought the pink boxes, and I bought the stickers, and I am going to make Ted Lasso cookies. Oh, well, there you go. My mum used to do it every year. She used to make, and she'd make early, she made the the heavy English fruitcake Christmas cake. Mm -hmm. She'd make those in around about October, I think. And of course, you know, they were filled with alcohol, so they have to age. Um, And then she made shortbread cookies and her recipe for it was never written down I asked her how to do it and she said well you just do it till it gets to about the right consistency I'm like oh, I'm never going to get this right but she would make the shortbread cookies and decorate them with you know dried cherries and you know what is it those crystallized cherry things and and something green and um she used to make up boxes and boxes and she'd take them around to all the old ladies she knew it was her christmas delivery thing and um dad was horrified of course because dad was like seeing all this baking thing oh it's gonna be good and then it always disappears off out the door so there'd be like you know mini cakes and and all these little beautifully presented cookies and stuff so you know I grew up with her hand making things in one way or another for people for Christmas gifts and, and that, know, her baking that's was a perfect Allison good. story you know it's wholesome yeah. and it's heartwarming and let me give you the Arlene version of that story <laughs> um I'm it's 1990 and uh I'm going to make chocolate cr- truffles as Christmas gifts mm. and I have ordered boxes that have my initials embossed and gold stickers and gold, you know, pretty gold paper and all this. So, you know, had the presentation aspect thought of, and I wanted to make champagne flavored filling. So I get going, you know, and um, I'm, and the whole time I'm drinking champagne as I'm making it. And I also had candles lit. So I make the candy. I don't, I think I finished the project. I don't honestly remember, but anyway. And I drank so much champagne that I passed out. (laughs) And when I woke up in the morning, the candles had burned all the way down to the table. Oh, wow. There was no, (laughs) there was like very little candle, like. So luckily, obviously, I didn't set the house on fire. I was in an apartment building. But there you go. That's the contrast between the Allison (laughs) heartwarming, wholesome story and my my attempt. The first mistake was adding champagne. (laughs) Well, you know, when you make something like that, it takes very little of the liquor. And it's not going to be good tomorrow. What are you going to do with it? Right. (laughs) 
modern problems. Yeah. Anyway, oh. well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed these uh, lessons learned, including the last <laughs> one. Told. Don't drink the champagne until you're really yeah. done making the Save candy. Save the champagne for after your gift making. There's, yes. there's our main lesson for the day. <laughs> Don't you get nothing down. else out of this. <laughs> And happy gifting, and if you have any other ideas or feedback, you know, please let us know. You can post it in the Facebook group or um, yeah. You can find our Facebook in. group. It's the Fibery Goodness Tiny Studio Creative Life or Fibery. You know, I can't even remember the name of the Facebook group. I just look at it so much. Anyway, I'll put the Yarn link Yarn Crafters. Yarn Crafters. Yarn Crafters, that's right. Fiber and Yarn Crafters. Great game. Yes. There you go. We'll see you um, and, guys yeah, next time. We'll be back in a few weeks. Thanks. Bye. Honey Studio Creative Life Magazine. You can find us on the internet at fibrygoodness.com where you can find back issues, subscribe, or join one of our courses. Hope to see you there.